This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramia. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on air community, and everyone's invited. You know, we have so much fun settling back, and a lot of time, Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan, my co-host, people will say, what's it like doing two hours of sitting there, talking to people, being on like that all the time? Ramya, I think the easy answer for us, the standard answer is, it's like going to class. We settle in, we learn so much over those two hours, as hopefully you do, and we get to be class clowns. Oh, somebody gets to be class clown for sure. Uh, do you take <laughs> notes, Kels, throughout the show? Um, as to what our guests say sometimes, especially if we're going to talk about something on Cut for Time on Fridays, or if it's something I didn't know, I'll go back afterward and cut it out of the script and say, I, I could use this for information somewhere or an interesting fact. But most stuff... I'm one of those heads that just keeps a lot of those stats in my head or may find them interesting to just kind of reference later and just use the excuse of, I heard this somewhere, I'm not sure I have it quite right, but it's just for topical, right? Well, that's lucky. I can't keep anything in my head, so if I don't take notes today, then it's it's out by the end of the show. Um, Out of mind, I mean. But I do think it's gotten a little harder with TV to take notes because people will be wondering, what is she doing? But... Yes, I love taking notes. (laughs) Does it feel to you the way our show has been, and and again, we did this show, ladies and gentlemen, um, as an audio program for six years. Did we, do we, do you, when sitting here, feel like you're just learning so much that you pick up uh, when you think back to school, you, of course, going to school a little more recent than I? The question is, do I... Do you feel like... You're in in class, like oh, we, we joke and yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, of course. But it's more like um, not school class, more like the classes that I would go to because I chose the electives. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the ones you went to for fun, all the topics yes. were, I'm interested in that. Let's get someone here to talk about it. Awesome. That's good, though. Nothing wrong with that. That's the best way to soak stuff up and make it stay up in our head. Uh, speaking of that, Let's preview what we've got going on on the program today. Greg David's going to join us in a little while. He's going to give us a preview of some special awards being handed out at this year's Canadian Screen Awards. We have a familiar voice on the network joining us with some big news. Krista Couture is talking about the CBC Art Original, How to Lose Everything. And this is streaming beginning this Friday on CBC Gem, so we want to find out more about it. Many new jobs are in the gig economy. What does this mean, actually? Kevin Shaw stops by to explain during his entrepreneurship segment with us later on in Hour 2 here on Kelly and Ramya. So, a newly released document shows Ottawa feels it lacks a willing partner to find a way to introduce fire codes on First Nation reserves, including the Assembly of First Nations. Unlike the rest of Canada, building and fire codes don't apply on First Nations. Experts warn that contributes to the high number of deadly house fires on reserve. Indigenous Services Minister Patty Heidi says she's open to all options. But an internal document shows federal officials don't believe they have the support of the AFN to introduce new legislation or regulation. 
The organization hasn't responded to a request for comment, but Blaine Wiggins, Senior Director of the Indigenous Fire Marshal Service, says in the meantime, the federal government must act. Stephanie Taylor, the Canadian Press, Ottawa. Absolutely phenomenal discussion that has to happen, has to get sorted out because we're losing too many people to fire, uh, whether scattered well throughout the country. And again, this is something when you talk about codes in cities that have been addressed, that have to be adhered to, and you're saying it's a little more difficult out here and in the countryside and in these locations no no it's a it's a fact it's something that has to be done and it really cannot it cannot be held off any further on the first nation reserves Ramya. this is when i heard this absolutely shocking um but unfortunately you say not surprising because it's just one of those things that seems to be yeah we'll take care of that uh -huh. well the next administration will Slips through the cracks, uh, prioritizing other things. Something bigger is always around. You know, throw in whatever excuse you will. But really, the word equity comes to mind here because just, just because, you know, some people are located in bigger cities or in more prominent areas of the country, whatever that means, uh, doesn't mean, or, you know, more populated areas, doesn't mean that the people who aren't in those priority areas deserve to, to have to deal with um such exactly. terrible circumstances and it's very oh. unfortunate that we can tell so clearly the dr the lines that are being drawn between people who are you know prioritized people who are important and other parts of society that aren't people shouldn't have to live in such fear or jeopardy like uh -huh. that i, I want to squeeze one more thing in ladies and gentlemen ramya wanted to talk about this yesterday about a remarkable rescue that was caught on camera after a diver was pulled away by the current off the florida keys lost for hours at sea and the hero in this story the heroes in this story are his own family a family cheering, relieved after spotting 22-year-old Dylan Gartenmeyer. The experienced diver was pulled by a rip current off Key West, missing for more than three hours as the Coast Guard searched from the surface and the air. As I had seen the sun disappear, I knew things were starting to get a little more dire at that time. I had just seen a reef shark swim past me. Dylan using a piece of bamboo to stay afloat, then building a raft out of buoys, hearing the search efforts with no way to say where he was before seeing it was his grandfather's boat coming to his rescue. Lionel Moyes, ABC News. Yesterday you wanted to cover this off, so I wanted to slip it in today because what a story. Uh, certainly wouldn't want to be out in that water, that's for sure, for that amount of time. And being on the search and thinking, gosh, light's going, we're in trouble here. Something else. Great pick yesterday, Ramya. Glad we were able to fit it in today on the show. We're going to step aside for a moment, and coming up next, we bring in reporter Grant Hardy, who's going to be talking the latest health, lifestyle, and accessibility right here on the show. Stay tuned. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. to the program settling in for a couple of hours of entertainment and information we'll get to grant hardy in just a couple of moments but i'm kelly mcdonald with Ramya moving i'm in the london ontario home studio today wearing a uh, black sweater over a green two-button shirt and of course the fedora hanging out on top and Ramya, you're at the studio on main campus in toronto 
Hello, yes I am, and similar set sitting behind a white table with the Toronto skyline behind me and the purple and white lit pillars. I'm also wearing a crisp, if I do say so myself, button-up white shirt today. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you for, of course, riding along wherever you are, folks, out there listening in around the world to the program or watching us over on AMI-TV, all sorts of ways to check us out. We'll get into that as we walk our way through the program. But right now, let's bring in reporter Grant Hardy, who's going to join us from Vancouver. He's going to be talking the latest health, lifestyle, and accessibility. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Grant, welcome back, pal. Hope you're doing all right. Appreciate having you, of course, on board. Happy Wednesday. That uh, intro makes this sound so deep. I feel like I have to kind of live up to tackling. We uh, we have him there, Um, but we'll 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 we figure that out. I'm still uh, stuck to the old schedule where Wednesdays meant health with Grant. So I'm bracing myself for like serious health stories. Yeah, yeah. Now we're kind of over. Yeah, blanket. There he is. I think I hear him there now. There we are, Grant. There we go. Hello, sir. Uh, How are the you? The connection may not be so healthy, but... Uh... Uh-oh. <laughs> that's all right. But that's the, but... that's the lifestyle you're living in. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Welcome, Zing. sir. What do you have for us all today? Right. Welcome gonna... back. So wouldn't it be cool if there was one thing you could do to help your brain and your cognition? Well, it turns out that a new study attempts to answer that question. And what they did was they strapped activity monitors to the thighs of nearly 45 people in the United Kingdom to track their movements for 24 hours. I'm very sorry to say Mm. that sitting on the couch, eating popcorn and watching TV is not the best way to improve cognition. Turns out people who spend even small amounts of time in more vigorous activities, as little as six to nine minutes compared to sitting, sleeping, or gentle activities, had higher cognition scores, uh, the authors uh, said. Um, So uh, moderate physical activity is typically defined as brisk walking or bicycling or running, up and down stairs, vigorous movement such as aerobic dancing, jogging, running, swimming, and biking up a hill will boost your heart rate and breathing. The study published uh, this week in the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health found doing just under 10 minutes of moderate to vigorous exertion each day improved study participants' working memory but it uh, had its biggest impact on executive processes such as planning and organization. The cognitive Hmm. improvement was modest, but as additional time was spent doing the more energetic workout, the benefits grew. So this is kind of cool because I feel like we've all been told to sort of exercise for what, about half an hour a day, I think is the the sort of going rate. Uh, But I feel like, you know, eight to 10 minutes, even if it's just running up and down the the fire escape stairs or something like that, that should be easy enough to work into uh, your sort of to-do list. Mm -hmm. I I kind of Mm -hmm. feel like some people, you know, find exercising 
uh, pleasurable and it just comes natural naturally. And for others, it kind of has to be something that you you just sort of get through and you add to your to-do list. But it's really cool to know that there are benefits, especially with executive function and organization, which mm-hmm. I'm, I must admit I kind of struggle with. Um, probably when you say to-do list is where I'm going, eh, like, I don't want to <laughs> do it. I have so much on my to-do oh, list already. Don't add I exercise. thought you meant you don't want to use the to-do list. There you go. That's not that helping too. me remember things. But it's That's true. The working it, it in <laughs> part is probably the hardest in terms of sticking with it. I can work it in today. I can work it in tomorrow because it's fresh. It's new. And we right. just talked about it. But then what happens after that? So the daily is uh, what I find hard, especially with vigorous, right? Like mm. you can put in a walk a day or or put in, you know, winter activities or seasonal activities for the time of the year and do that once in a while, once a week, twice a week. But every day to carve out that time is, I find, more difficult than it seems. Yeah, and yeah, we're just talking, sense. Grant, with this more for blowing out your brain, like you're clearing it out, getting the cobwebs <laughs> out, so so that you so that it runs right a little bit better, as opposed to the exercise thing for your heart, lungs, and everything else, and overall fitness. It's an interesting study. Um, I I can kind of see that. I can see the link. Uh, but that eight or nine, I don't even know how you quantify those minutes and, and translate that to the, 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 the higher ladder of making those executive decisions. I guess it does come down to clarity, not being so sluggish. Uh, some of us would say, like I like, to, I always say, I'm, I'm kind of feeling dopey if I'm not sleepy, but just kind of dopey, just the mind slower. And I guess that kind of thing, getting that extra, it, it, it blows out the cobwebs. Isn't that the interesting part, yeah. though, that the physical activity is what helps you clarify your your brain? I, I think find it that just really fascinating. A, I think I, I think we not really knowing what the flow of our blood, the movement, the speed of the it, the amount releases, of it, yeah. moving through exactly all the things that happen based on, and there's probably other things that do the same thing, whether it's uh, our olfactor, uh, you know, certain smells will say, oh, that, that refreshes me or makes me feel eating right. certain foods. If you eat more vegetables, you just feel cleaner sometimes, like than opposed to some of the things eating a lot of bread or meat. And, and we can easily say, well, that's going to make you more sluggish. It's heavier. Yeah, but there's a certain feel sometimes. If I have enough vegetables, I, I, there's a, a feeling I, I can't explain. And maybe it's I'm not enough of a vegetable eater. Maybe that's it. But I think I do okay. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely agreed. It's a cool study and uh, hopefully should motivate me to do some exercise. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to touch on this since it's related to health as well, uh, just chatting about mental health here for a second. Uh, so, you know, three years after the emo- emergence of COVID-19, Canadians continue to feel the impact of the pandemic on their mental health. They report high levels of mental distress as they endure ongoing challenges like periods of isolation, difficulties with relationships, and working remotely or on the front lines. But despite the high numbers of people needing support, many cannot find access to mental health services. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mental health is best treated by talk therapy, a group program, by peer support, or a substance use program. But none of that is covered through our Canada Health Act. 
uh, therapy from a psychiatrist or a psychologist or social worker is covered by provincial health plans as long as the service is offered at a government-funded hospital, clinic, or agency, uh, but it can uh, tend to take weeks or months to get a referral, and that can even lead to situations like a police response to an incident or needing to use like an, an addiction facility. Uh, and the article is saying that if Canada invested in mental health coverage, the funding would help all Canadians uh, alleviate pressure and alleviate pressure on both people accessing care and those providing it. Definitely goes to what we've talked about uh, numerous times here where our healthcare system and our country quite frankly seems to be very reactive where that's it if you need a police response will they'll send you the big police response but if it's like look i'm trying to get my life back on track here to prevent Uh and you know not not making any uh allowances for people doing terrible things but look i want to you know get my life back on track here yeah, that we're not so good at doing, and it's. I'm no. curious why. Do you guys have any thoughts on the that article, or why it might be that we're so stubborn to address mental health issues? Well, you know, Grant, with it being Bell Let's Talk Day, and we, we're doing a lot of conversations. We're seeing them on social media uh, on this particular day, but uh, you know, again, every day we know we sometimes all of us we have our moments. We feel different ways, but I've really, Ramya, heard it, Grant's remark of. We are such a reactive country. We, we think mm-hmm. of Canada so forward-thinking. We talk a lot about the things we know. We know today. Get on social media, support people and stuff. But as you said, Grant, it's, it's like we do things once the horse is out of the barn. Oh, yeah, should have locked the door then. Instead of being there ahead of time to support, to help, and, and not, you know, individually, but as a collective, our government, and I don't know if it's the country size, I don't know if it's we talk a big game, I, I feel sometimes we're so worried about the financial burden of resources, we, oh, can we really afford that? Do, do we have to? Well, we really should. Oh, it, it's so painful to our country. And you can see that it's very prevalent in the patterns that are already existing, right? So where the mental health supports are actually available in hospitals, in government-funded uh, places and, and locations. But the problem is, if we're using those mental health um, supports, chances are we've gone through some kind of traumatic experience or uh, are going through something you know pretty drastic at the moment and it's not necessarily the everyday you know i want to keep track of my mental health i want the support in this area of my life that stuff is just not available it's not known enough and you could it could be a fleeting thought right like you or i could say hmm i want to start seeing a therapist regularly but where do you go from there Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. supports alone are not available. Well, and we know yeah. uh, certain times of the year, we've talked about, you know, uh, SADS on the program, and we, we know, for example, this time of the year, what a time as Christmas has gone. There's a lot of different things people are dealing with, things that come up, and we know, okay, let's, let's talk about it, and talking mm-hmm. is beautiful. But our action always looks and says, if we had more of... And again, it comes back to me, Grant, feeling, and this is just my opinion, we have to have that push. When the pandemic hit, well, let's get the masks out. Oh, masks. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, we threw all those yeah. out because they were old and sitting around and no one felt it was necessary to replace them in case of a pandemic. Yeah, I find it so interesting, you know, where people turn to for help. And if you look on forums, you know, Reddit, you know, relationship help or, or you know, mental health forums where people are like asking for help for their like deepest, darkest secrets from strangers, you know, and sometimes the advice that you get back is like, pretty horrible mm. and uh, can right. probably mm. really mess people up and you're like if you could just maybe get in to see a professional exactly uh, if we didn't make it so hard maybe it would be easier and you wouldn't turn to social social media social. for all of yeah, these exactly. yeah exactly it, it's it's interesting because our uh, our our money I feel like should be invested back into our people and our resources to make our country 110% the best that we can. And we don't always, we don't always do that. Well, and we also know that when we want help, any of us, it, it, it often is a fleeting moment. And that moment is that moment where we might actually do something. We're ready to react. And if there's anything that gets in the way that makes us hesitate, sometimes that fleeting moment is gone. And that, that is the nature of, but if you don't put obstacles and you make things readily available, uh, you know, at least more people are going to have access mm-hmm. and, and seek that support that they There's need. There's something there when you need it, right? Yeah, without you having to, well, here's a hoop. And can, we, can you answer these questions first before we put you through to the person that you need to talk to? Wonderful stuff, Grant. All right. I don't know about wonderful, but at least topical. Thanks, guys, yeah, for having me on. Very much. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you uh, later in the week. Grant Hardy will join us on day two to talk about headlines, but he'll be back for What in the World tomorrow on the program as well. Uh, we call that the trending headlines segment, so we can cover a whole bunch of things. Ramya, we're going to step aside for a couple of moments. Greg David, he's going to be here shortly to talk about some special awards that are being handed out at this year's Canadian Screen Awards. So stick around. We'll get into that conversation in two minutes. week over on AMI-audio. The Neutral Zone gang, folks. The panel discusses the divisional round uh, in the NFL playoffs and pre- uh, previews the AFC and NFC championship games. The Neutral Zone, if you want to catch it, it's on Tuesdays uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern time. It's also, yeah, I know you're saying, hey, did I miss it then? What's the point? No, point is the podcast, folks. You can always download that and you can always find them uh, available to you as a YouTube podcast. Uh, so we say check it all out. Get yourselves ready for your football weekend with the gang over there at the Neutral Zone, available from AMI-audio podcast. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Every other week on Wednesdays, we talk television with our communication specialist here at AMI, Greg David. I'm Greg David, and I love TV. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where we talk about the biggest hits, misses, and trends in television and entertainment. Greg, we... 
discuss everything and anything entertaining uh, on this segment and usually it's the latest in TV news and that's great because the Canadian Screen Awards are up. It's kind of like the Oscars and Primetime Emmys all roll into one and they're coming this spring. You've got a heads up for us on a lot of the content that's about to come on there. So let's get to the preview, specifically about some special awards being handed out this time around. So before we get into the special awards, though, and uh, who's going to be receiving all that, can you refresh our memories on what the Canadian Screen Awards are? And time Emmys all rolled into one because it's the best of Canadian television, but also the best of Canadian film. And uh, the Canadian Screen Awards, or the CSAs, are given out by the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television. And uh, they're the largest nonprofit professional media arts organization in Canada. They've got a membership of more than 4,000 emerging and established industry professionals. And uh, the group is dedicated to developing, recognizing, celebrating, and and advocating for Canadian talent in the film, television, and digital media sectors. Oh, that's, so that's everything. A bit of a, yeah, that's a little bit of a crib sheet on what the uh, the Academy and the CSAs are all about. When does the gala actually air, Greg? Yeah, so there's a week of programming uh, in uh, in April uh, that uh, that leads up to the special gala, and uh, we'll all be able to check out the event on CBC. CBC Gem and the CBC YouTube channel on Sunday, April the 16th at 8 p.m. And don't worry, we'll be talking about the Canadian Screen Awards before that actual date, so you don't need to write that down in your calendars quite yet, but they are happening on Sunday, April the 16th. Okay, so let's actually get into the special awards that are being given out. And uh, there are some big names being featured, not only in Canada, but around the world. So begin with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. You may have heard of Ryan Reynolds. He's on our screens everywhere right now. And uh, he <laughs> is receiving the Humanitarian Award. And this is given out in recognition of an extraordinary humanitarian contribution or act of compassion by a professional working in the Canadian media, media industry in the prior year. And Ryan Reynolds is one of those uh, people who has shown a dedication to philanthropy throughout his career. Uh, he's made generous donations to charities such as Canada's Water First Education and Training Incorporated and the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. And that's in an effort to support displaced families from Ukraine. He uh, holds an annual aesthetic challenged sweater holiday campaign that you may have seen because uh, the videos uh, with Hugh Jackman are hilarious and that yes. I didn't the even title's know hilarious. Yeah, yeah aesthetically it challenged is. in quotes and this helps raise money for the hospital for sick children in Toronto which I didn't know I just knew that it was an opportunity to make fun of Hugh Jackman but it turns out that there's <laughs> money going to the hospital for sick children and not only that but Ryan's also made major contributions to the industry outside of his performances he's the co-founder of two different organizations aiming to offer unrepresented, underrepresented, excuse me, communities, more access to creative careers in through, uh, and he does that through a group called the Group Effort Initiative and also Creative Ladder. And that's not even talking about the special gin that he's created. So Aww. a guy that does a lot, but gives a heck of a lot back to the community for sure. Yeah. You know what? You've seen so much making time for people, even that individual out there doing something. And mostly, Greg, anytime I see him, anytime he's doing something like that, there seems to be that own personal reward of of joy. So definitely he is very, very deserving. Um, yeah. And, he is and he's so much more than that gifted actor. 
Yeah, and I just wanted to say the other thing is he's never really forgotten his roots. You know, he always no, no. will make a point of mentioning Canada uh, when he was given. Uh, it was either I think it was a Canada's Walk of Fame or Auditor of Canada last year when Stephen Page sang, sung a lovely song to him. He was, yeah. you know, like legitimately choked up that he was being recognized by his home country. So he certainly hasn't forgotten us. No, and gets involved in lots of things and opinions over here in, in Canada. So beyond, you know, being a great actor, he's quite funny. Uh, but speaking of funny people, Catherine O'Hara, uh, she's also receiving a special award too. Give us some details on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Another great, funny person. So Catherine O'Hara is the recipient of the Academy Icon Award. And this is presented to a Canadian individual or institution uh, for their exceptional, excuse me, ongoing contribution to the media industry at home or abroad. Uh, she, of course, is a prolific multi-award winning actress, writer and comedian whose film credits include lead and supporting roles in Schitt's Creek, uh, Beetlejuice, Home Alone, Home Alone 2. I mean, SCTV, After Hours, Heartburn, uh, uh, Where the Wild Things Are, Nightmare, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, she's become an institution. When you look at Catherine O'Hara, you know, throughout her career, she's been on on tons of television shows and iconic movies uh, that we all will remember from our childhoods and our adult as well so another well-deserving one you believe oh yeah absolutely i mean there isn't anybody in this list that i'm talking about today where i would say nah let's not give them an award no they're all they're all equally deserving <laughs> oh, very well deserving. yes yeah, yeah. and it, i love the backgrounds too not just about the awards that they're getting and why that but you know just in general what they're up to how good they are etc so lovely yeah, and, and it's, it's nice to have you boasting for them, Craig, as as opposed to because it's got to be hard for these people, their representation to go out. You know what Catherine's doing? It's wonderful when you hear it spoke of and you're sitting here like we are saying, wow, I didn't know. Well, yeah, and that was why I wanted to talk about this, because all the times that I watch the Canadian Screen Awards and I see these, these awards handed out, I've never really looked down deep into the reasoning behind them being nominated or, or being given these awards. I didn't know the history of all these awards, so that's why I thought it would be right. fun to share it with the two mm -hmm. of you and, and our audience today. It is. So let's keep going down the list. Tracy yep. Moore uh, is another well-known name here in Toronto as mm. the host of City TV's City Line. She's about to get... Um, some great recognition. Is it global, I guess? Yeah, national recognition from the CSAs thanks to the James Baker Award. So tell us more about this one. Yeah, it's actually uh, the Changemaker Award. Oh, I lied. And that's all right. That's all right. We'll Who's James you know Baker you're anyway? Her, you're giving her other awards, no problem. No, no, she may have no, already gotten one up for them. Yeah, <laughs> this exactly. is a second award that they now have to give because we said it on national TV. Okay, go ahead. So the Changemaker Award recognizes and honors those in the media community in Canada who are using their voice or platform to call out systemic racism and discrimination. Uh, they support and amplify the voices of those who are actively engaged in anti racist work and they seek structural transformations in media film and television in canada that promote values of equality and inclusion and tracy certainly does that she's done that through her work as the host of city line uh the city line real on race youtube series and podcast that came out in the last couple of years she's also the co-producer and co-host of city tv's rtnda award-winning race special ending racism what will it take and mm. she's also made a commitment to supporting young women 
and Children with City Lions' very first scholarship for Black, Indigenous, and persons of color, uh, women in that group, and was recently named a Trust 15 ambassador. So, you know, whether you watch her on City Line, uh, you know, whereas I'm more familiar with, um, she's doing a equally important stuff behind the scenes as well. And, and uh, this is going to be a well-deserved uh, award for Tracy Moore. What powerful conversations eh? she's she's involving herself in. Yeah, she had an episode of City Line where it was all the makeup. Uh, nobody had makeup on the show, and she came on taking the makeup off. And I mean, there's a look, you know, there's just an example of things wow. she's doing. Like, forget it, we can do shows without makeup on. This is what I really look like. Uh, and uh, and so yeah, she's just groundbreaking in so many fantastic ways. I love yeah. it. And having that. Um... These folks that you're showing us, Greg, that we're talking about are doing so many things off camera, around, yeah. in, in feeding into so many different things because they're they're taking what knowledge, skill they have and sharing it and making change, like you say, behind the scenes where attitudes change. And again, we ran into some of this with uh, news broadcaster Lisa LaFlamme, who's mm -hmm. been through a lot over the past year. She was let go from her long-running job at CTV News, which led to an internal investigation at Bell Media. Now she's being recognized with a special award as well from a very, named after a very well-known and pretty special broadcaster. Absolutely. You're dead on, Kelly. Lisa's being given the Gordon Sinclair Award for Broadcast Journalism, and this recognizes a Canadian broadcast journalist for their exceptional, exceptional, exception, exceptional, wow, body of work in broadcast journalism. And uh, she's been at the forefront of the profession for over 30 years, tackling some of the biggest issues of our time and traveling the globe to deliver breaking news to Canadians. And uh, hopefully she finds a gig soon where she gets to do that all over again. So great. Um, yeah. We've talked here to move on. We've talked on the show before about the excellent CBC comedy, Kim's Convenience. Yeah. So funny. Uh, but we also think that it ended far too soon. But one of its stars is receiving, tell me, is it the Radius Award? I don't want to make up yep. another award. Okay, great. Yep, you got it. <laughs> At the CSA, so tell us about it Why and who's not? getting it. You can never it. have too many awards. Some people would say, "We're going to have to start a <laughs> yeah. whole another award show just for the secondary yeah. awards." Yeah, yeah, it's 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 Simu Liu, uh, who played Chung on Kim's yes. Convenience, and he's being presented right. with, like you said, the Radius Award, and that salutes a Canadian whose work is making waves globally. And man, did he ever! Simu made history as the star of the first Asian-fronted movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, a great movie, mm -hmm. by the way. And like you said, if, as we talked about before, he also starred on the CBC comedy series Kim's Convenience for five seasons, mm -hmm. which went on to win the award for best comedy series at the 2018 Canadian Screen Awards. So yeah, uh, just an incredible career that this guy has had. Uh, he's just seen his stardom explode worldwide. And so uh, well-deserved of the Radius Award that uh, they're going to be given to him at the uh, Canadian Screen Awards. Uh, Greg, this is, this is all tremendous. Thanks for sharing all this information. So what is the next step in the Canadian Screen Awards process? So what's happening right now is that the individual categories for acting, writing, directing, best feature film, best comedy, those types of categories, those are all being sorted out right now. Um, voting for members is happening in the next several weeks. And we've got a couple of folks from AMI that are part of the Academy now. So they're going to be voting in this next round to figure out what the actual category, the, the nominated shows, uh, movies, et cetera, are going to be in those categories. And once those key categories are announced, um, I'll come back on the show and we can uh, break down some of those categories and maybe fingers crossed maybe we'll see some ami tv shows nominated in there too what hey that'd be great yeah we have uh been nominated in the past no 
Yeah. Yes, for for a for a James Bart. What was the 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 award that you mentioned earlier, Ramya? It was that one. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. The the James Baker. James Baker. Get it right. Uh, I thought it was some of our made-up ones. I thought we were going to like corner the market (laughs) on those. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, I'm sure they'd be glad to give us all your made-up ones. (laughs) Yeah, that goes AMI. Yeah, take take James Baker too while you're at it. Um, We just need airtime, so we'll take any award. This is awesome, though, Greg. Honestly, like I love the the background on um, each of the awards and the recipients themselves. So it's nice, and we'll keep posted on more info to come with the Canadian Screen Awards. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Greg David is our communication specialist. He joins us bi-weekly to talk everything TV, and it's entertaining on the show, but we also talk about entertainment. Whenever he comes on here and speaks this stuff, I just get such pride, and I don't... You know, I don't see a lot of the stuff. I'm very big on on Canadian stuff for sure. You know, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend to watch all Canadian shows any more than I watch any, you know, from the UK or the US or wherever. But you sit back and just say, "Wow, yeah, yeah that's some impressive people." Impressive people, and and really just getting to know them through these awards mean you get to keep in touch with the other initiatives and projects that they're involving themselves in, the you conversations bet. they're bringing to the table, all that. And how they're helping make things better. Speaking of making things better, we'll step aside for a moment, and when we return, Bill Shackleton's here with the first edition of The Buzz this week. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we do return after those messages. Of course, we've got a lot more show ahead. Remember, if by chance you miss our show live, catch it on a repeat at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, We'll be here on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Catch us when you can via podcast as well. Subscribe to the Kelly and Rumya podcast at your convenience. Well, Rumya, as we settle back here in this part of uh, Ontario with uh, the winds and snow raging outside, what a better way to take great content in and have some discussion. So let's welcome in for the buzz, as we like to do Wednesdays through Fridays on the program, Mr. Bill Shackleton. Uh, We've been doing the buzz for a number of years over on Kelly and Company. Bring it over here to Kelly and Rumya and the man himself. Good day, sir. Where are we starting? Um, is tipping getting out of control? Many consumers say yes. From oh, the classic mess. question. Yeah, I know, a classic one. Well, anyway, across the country, there's a growing silent frustration brewing about an age-old practice that many say that is getting out of control, out of hand. So basically it's tipping and there's one, there's a group of people saying, well, you know, I have to now tip everywhere. So wherever you, where you used to buy your coffee or donut, now they're asking for a tip. And other people are wondering, well, am I going to have to tip my dentist? Am I going to have to tip my doctor? Um, this business is, um, you know, they're asking up to 30%. And it isn't like a cookie jar that you can ignore. Is like that right? You, yeah. 30%? Up to, 30% up to 30 Which is, I mean, I tip 10%. Anyway, it's just... 
and because of the basically the situation for tipping is that um it's it's electronic so when you when you when they bring the machine over to your table say they can see how much you're tipping so a lot of people feel that they are obligated to tip more because waiters are or servers as you're called i guess can I'll look watch. at how much you're tipping mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. totally in my opinion getting out of i mean we all know that the you know the 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 the, the uh, covid-19 situation made a lot of uh, you know it, people in the retail industry it, it basically went down the the tubes mm. um so they're trying Billy, to get do that you, back. Billy, do you hear do you do you hear that bird I hear a bird saying cheap, 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 cheap. Must be yeah. the your tipping though? practice. That's nah, me. Ten percent. Nah. Shaq, how long have you given ten percent? Forever. Yeah. The times change, Shaq. Yeah, they have <laughs> but changed, but times have changed. 30? But let's talk about the premise though. Like, why do you guys tip? Okay, I tip based on the service. There's no way, and I'm telling you this, hands down, there's no way that I go to a counter order a thing and the person hands me the thing i order and then when it prompts me to tip that i will tip i'm not tipping that. Where, where where do you tip though i will tip at actual services so like the dog groomers or hair salons or um where there's a server coming to the table to take my order and and take care of me and customer service it out all the way i will tip for all of that but i'm not tipping will you tip standing in line if you have to stand in line to go up to a counter? No, that's what I'm saying. That, I'm not tipping for that. But that's a normal practice now. Like, it, it yeah, prompts that's... you to tip at food courts where you're going to where, buy wherever. your food. And, Just, and, and, and wow. whenever, whenever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no matter how bad the service is, you're expected no, not to Not even how bad or good, but there was no yeah. service. Like, yeah. it's literally the cashier cashing me out. I, I okay, am tipping but, but you. Billy's point there, Bill, will you tip if it's bad service? No. Okay. Um, I only tip for service. Tip? Okay. I only so tip, tip on the service. service. If yeah. it's bad service, you won't leave 10%. No. No, he okay. leaves 10% regardless, remember? Yep. That's his tipping. Well, not he yeah. says now not if it's bad service. No. Okay, now see that's my second question though. There cuz I had a follow-up, which was what is a bad tip? So these days, I'll tell you, the lowest 10%. on most on most Mine machines, is... the lowest is 15 now. It's yep. 15, is then it? 18, then 25 or whatever it goes up. So, Billy, there. yours is really, like, yeah. bad. So, 10%, t- it, the norm, like, socially, 10% is very low. 15 has become the new norm. Now, when I was, like, a teenager for the last 10 years or so, it was 18% was a great tip. Like, that was an above-average right. tip. 15 mm-hmm. was average and 10 was bad, right? Now, 15 is a low tip. 18 is the new average and I don't know what goes up beyond that because I don't. It goes up about. every year. We've yeah. read items here um, that are the etiquette. Every year at the end, they talk about etiquette. You know, where you send gifts to people who do services to you for Christmas or or. And, and exactly. I remember once a couple of years ago, we had one that discussed tipping, and then you see it when you use Uber Eats or or any of them. Oh, um, do you oh, ever Uber suggested Eats. amount? Oh, right? oh boy, I haven't even gotten there. Do you, oh, no. do you don't get pick me your started. own or do you select one of those? <laughs> I usually select, but here's the question about Uber Eats, though, and we talked about this recently with a friend. Uh, are you tipping for your courier, like the person who's delivering your food? Are you tipping the... There's so many prompts on Uber Eats to tip. One is for the restaurant, the facility yeah. itself. Then there's another yeah. one for your delivery. So yeah. 
I'm just getting a little confused as to are we compensating because tips have always been around this uh, question of you know people who don't get paid minimum wage right or getting right. paid very little we're compensating for their tip so that's right things are getting more expensive on everybody's part are we still doing that because you know or is it in just theory, if you can't tip don't go yeah i think billy you're right i don't i don't think you are because when you tip for the store in theory that should be going for who's making your food prep but we don't know where that's going to go. Just like when you yeah. tip, at a, even if someone walks up, gives you your plate at a table, a lot of places that's split between the staff. You take it, you put it in, and everybody, some places, no. Um, and again, I think it depends on how much. And when you use Uber and you tip, are, I, I wonder how many people worry about, will this affect how fast I get it, what quality I get my food? If mm. they see my tip is that Billy Billy favorite of you know 10%, then are they going to, oh, it fell out of my hand. Oh, I dropped it. Oh, I kicked it down the hallway when I was trying to pick it up. You, you know, you, you don't know, and I yeah. often wonder how many of us worry about that, and that's what prompts us to tip well or will they remember your face at the counter if you don't tip it uh you know one of the places you walk up and here here comes the cheapskate again we'll fix that kelly guy but when you, you know? look into it though there are many ways that prices are going up like uber eats is a great example because uber eats prices for items are usually higher than if you go and look at a menu in person right Right? They've actually they marked up the prices on the Uber Eats menu. So there's mm -hmm. that compensation. And then there's the several tipping. And then there's all the different surcharges and service fees and everything else that Uber Eats is getting, like their team and not the facility. Um, so I don't know. I, I do get overwhelmed by the tipping custom these days. Is it? it, it do, let's go back to what Billy said right off the top. Bill, would you ever tip your doctor? I mean, the doctor would probably say, it's money, it's dirty, I don't want it. 30%. Um, but when you do those other services, um, you know, do, do you go to a doctor, feel the need to tip, or, or your pharmacist, anything? I, I, I never do, and I don't think I ever. No, I figure OHIP will, do, OHIP, OHIP will cover that, and, uh, you know, we'll take care of that. I can't Should dentist. We My Should dentist we would tipping? laugh at me. Yeah, I, yeah. I well, I'm I'm kind of like from where Bill is. To me, it's to offset the fact people aren't being paid enough for an hourly wage. That's yeah. what I've always thought. Yeah. Um, I know we talk about minimum wage and and things going on, but there's still and I don't know if a lot of places drivers bringing me a pizza is he paid before they were never paid, but because it was counted on. Well, you're getting tips. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like that. we're just we're essentially we're tipping because they're not getting paid enough so shouldn't they be getting paid enough and as uh inflation and all the other things cost of living gets more and more expensive we're compensating more and more by tips but are they getting paid more and i is that the model for remuneration for the uber drivers is it only what what tips just you know like when it comes to delivering food or is there a, a fee i don't know that myself i've never really thought to look into it until we're running our mouths now about that's it. that's getting the question right so like i've had great yeah. uber drivers where i have tipped just because they were you know extremely pleasant or went out of their way to help me assist me uh as a low vision person but other times if it's just an average ride no extra support or anything like that what's the what would change the intention to tip because I paid yeah. for the service, right? Right. But you would tip a taxi driver. 
No. Maybe. I do. Yeah, I do. I don't know. I, 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 Taxis aren't even the norm anymore for me, so I actually have no idea. Yeah, I, I've, I've never taken a taxi in how many years? Yeah. Um, but you I used to tip their bill. Huh? You used to tip taxi drivers, right? Yeah, and you yeah. tip your Uber driver, Billy? I, I tip, yeah. I tip, uh, okay. I think there's a combo box with 10 for 15% or there whatever. Is, yes. I want to make all. one point. I want to make one more point about tipping. And some retail places are actually saying, well, they're, they're, hire, they're hiring more people with the expectations that they'll get more tips. I mean, talk about exploitation. What? You've got to be kidding me. Instead of just in the paying the people fairly so they don't have to rely on tips, we're hiring more people to get more tips? Yeah. Yeah. This is I, such yeah. a confusing yeah. turn of events, honestly. Yeah, well, with the and, and this is where it's gotten yeah. you know out of hand in the sense of uh, you would think places pay enough, but places are saying the same. Well, yeah. I can't, so therefore we're going to do and, it this way. And you, you know, eating here, if you can afford to eat here, you can afford the tip here. Well, yeah, see, and that that used to be the bottom line. If you can't afford the tip, then don't go out, right? <laughs> but right, anyway, right. that's not even the only question anymore because now who you tip may not even get the entirety of the tip because no. everyone's pooling now. Well, then you think to give more food. because of the pooling. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Bill, I think we can squeeze one more in. Yeah, I think we can, too. This um, one gives you too many places to go to thinking about it, talking yeah. about it. It's like the proverbial rabbit hole. So, yeah, really let's jump one other one in quickly. Well, there's a school in Massachusetts, actually. Um, it's a funny thing where the lights have been remained on since 2021. Amazingly oh. enough. So the only way they can turn the lights off is by flipping circuit breakers and unscrewing light bulbs. Oh. So um, in oh. Metalog School, um, the in 2021, the smoke signal, which is a newspaper, reported that basically there was a, a computer glitch and they couldn't get parts, um, basically because the supplier had changed hands and because of um, the supply chain, they're hoping that... So the lights have been remained on. I wonder what their electricity bill is. <laughs> I mean, that one question. must be... What about the... What if it had been the heating? <laughs> oh, my what goodness. What if it had been the, the, the air conditioning or the heating that couldn't be turned off? I mean, it's just amazing. Oh. It, it, it's amazing to me that the system doesn't use anything but circuit break. like there was nothing implemented to be able to turn off the lights that's concerning it's all computer right so you don't get a part you don't get a supply you know right it's, so it's you got to do it oh. the only yeah, manual way is i'll just pull yeah. this or flip that's that right. and, and away the lights go and the, the power that's just crazy but again what what do you do and it's one of those things you stop and think well hold on a sec just get the part well with with everything the way it's been that's easier said than done yeah Bill. Yeah, wow. I know it is. My mind it races is. to some horrid scenarios, like if there were school shootings or any kind of lockdown situation oh, yeah. and you weren't There's... able to turn off the lights. Yeah. That's, that's right. problematic. Yeah, wow. exactly. Yeah. And and like you said, the bill. All right, Diesel, thanks a lot for being with us today. You're going to truck on out of here and be back in tomorrow? <laughs> we are. Billy's nickname from school, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk to you tomorrow, sir, when you bring more items for us to discuss. And maybe we'll get through more than two of them tomorrow, but you know, that's hopeful wishing, the way we get going. Thanks, Bill. Thanks.
Bill Shackleton, we call it the buzz. He joins us Wednesday through Fridays right here on Kelly and Rumya. We've got an hour ahead still to go, folks. We're going to chat with uh, Chantal Oakes, president of AEBC, BC affiliate, about an exciting job posting for project manager for an emergency preparedness project. And many new jobs are, jobs are in the gig economy. What does this mean? Kevin Shaw stops by to explain during his entrepreneur segment. But up next, we talk to Krista Couture about the CBC Arts original call, How to Lose Everything. We'll get that streaming started for you Friday, but we'll get information on it next up here on Kelly and Rumya. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Rumya on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramya Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.